My name is Christy Purifoy, and I am a lifelong reader of poetry. Right now, I would love to read to you a poem by Louise Gluck from her collection, Faithful and Virtuous Night. This is the first poem in this collection, and it's called Parable. First, divesting ourselves of worldly goods, as St. Francis teaches, in order that our souls not be distracted by gain and loss, and in order also that our bodies be free to move easily at the mountain passes, we had then to discuss whither or where we might travel, with the second question being, should we have a purpose? against which many of us argued fiercely that such purpose corresponded to worldly goods, meaning a limitation or constriction, whereas others said it was by this word we were consecrated pilgrims rather than wanderers. In our minds, the word translated as a dream, a something sought, so that by concentrating, we might see it glimmering among the stones and not pass blindly by each further issue. We debated equally fully the arguments going back and forth so that we grew, some said, less flexible and more resigned like soldiers in a useless war. And snow fell upon us and wind blew, which in time abated. Where the snow had been, many flowers appeared, and where the stars had shone, the sun rose over the tree line so that we had shadows again. Many times this happened. Also rain, also flooding sometimes, also avalanches in which some of us were lost. And periodically we would seem to have achieved an agreement. Our canteens hoisted upon our shoulders, but always that moment passed. So. After many years, we were still at that first stage, still preparing to begin a journey, but we were changed nevertheless. We could see this in one another. We had changed, although we never moved. And one said, ah, behold how we have aged, traveling from day to night only, neither forward nor sideward. And this seemed in a strange way miraculous. And those who believed we should have a purpose believed this was the purpose. And those who felt we must remain free in order to encounter truth felt it had been revealed. You just heard Christy Purifoy read Parable by Louise Gluck. Welcome to Poet Kind Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Mulder. This week on Poet Kind, I'm talking with Christy Purifoy. Christy is a writer, gardener, and a placemaker. She has a PhD in English literature and has a pair of incredibly green thumbs when it comes to caring for her dreamy garden. I invited Christy to the podcast to talk specifically about how to read poetry. Typically, I will chat with poets about their work, but I thought it would be fun to bring a little something different to the conversation, something a little more basic. 
but more of an invitation to those who may be less familiar with or intimidated by poetry. Come on, let's welcome Christy Purifoy to the podcast. Hi, Christy. I am so glad. Mo, I'm so excited to just sit down and, and have a conversation with you today about poetry. The first time I met you or, or knew of you, I was sitting in on a, on a class that was offered during a retreat. And That's I remember right. it so clearly. It was about metaphor. Right. And, um, and that has stuck with me. And I've followed you ever since. And then Debbie recommended you because you did a class on poetry. Mm -hmm. And I'm just excited to invite you to come sit down and talk about how to read poetry, how to experience poetry and kind of unpack the, the mystery behind poetry. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I, I'm, I feel privileged to be asked. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. I love poetry so much. And I think um, uh, maybe I, I approach it differently than some because I, I don't, I'm a writer, but I don't write po poetry. I don't write poems. Um, and yet I, I don't think I could write without the reading of them. <laughs> and right. I also really believe that reading them is um, that there's some skill involved. And, and while there, there's mystery, it's mystery that those who've already kind of wa are walking this path can help um, demystify in some ways for us. And so I think especially for those who maybe have, have felt a struggle, you know, when it comes to poetry, those are the people that I, I most want to connect with and say, oh, come, come with me for a while and, and read with me. And, and um, I, I feel sure that you too <laughs> can uh, learn to love poetry and, and feel more, co more confident in your reading. Um, even if uh, poems will always, I think, have aspects that feel out of reach or, you know, mysterious. It's not like we ever fully, completely, um, you know, possess them and, you know, but that, that's what makes them so wonderful. We can just return to them again and again. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I like that um, you want to bring people along for the conversation because, you know, I, I always hesitate to introduce myself, you know, when people are, oh, well, what do you do? I always kind of hem and haw and, you know, before I say, well, I'm, I'm an artist and a poet because inevitably I get the, oh, I just don't get poetry. Yes. And it's it, um, it one that's a conversation ender in some ways because mm -hmm. I, I I don't there's no rejoinder for that 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 doesn't um, yeah I don't that adequately eases someone into the conversation so mm -hmm. I I agree I think uh, so in in other parts of my life I'm also a gardener and so something similar happens with gardening where it comes up and people like if you say like, so for you to say I'm a poet or me to say I'm a gardener it feels in our culture like a big claim like I am claiming yes. something big and special for myself and so people <laughs> will often respond oh I don't oh I kill everything I don't have green thumb a green thumb I don't have green fingers and that too can be a sort of conversation ender and I want whether it's reading poetry or gardening I want to say no this is yeah. for everyone and it's something you can learn. And I bet if you just step inside a little bit, you'll realize that there's like treasure here for you as well. So I, I often with the poetry, I'll begin by telling people, um, oh, poems, you don't need 
need to understand them to get a lot out of them. Some of my favorite poems are poems that I think I, I, I am not sure I have any sense of what it means. But poetry can be enjoyed on so many levels, even if it's just pure sound, pure music. Yeah, I mean, people yeah. listen to songs, they don't understand songs, they don't even know all the lyrics, or maybe they don't comprehend what the composer or songwriter was putting into it, and yet they enjoy it. And poetry is no different. It's, um, yeah, there's so many ways to, I think, enjoy it and, and get something out of it. Yeah, well, and I think sometimes, too, people dive into the, the, the heavies, yeah. you know, and, and think, okay, I'm going to read poetry, what should I read? And they, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to read Burns or Browning. Yeah. And, you know, what they're doing is they're, they're diving into the deep end mm -hmm. and get kind of bogged down and, and then, you know, come up struggling for air and go, oh, this just isn't for me. When, when maybe a different voice, mm -hmm. you know, is, is who they need to be listening to. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's so true. And I, I think I, I especially love to recommend those poets like Louise Gluck, who I, who I read, or um, even Boland, or even Mary Oliver, who, yes. who have a very accessible surface. None of the words are difficult. We understand what the words mean. Um, for me, a, a very different poet would be a, another Irish poet, Paul Muldoon, who sometimes I think I can't even understand <laughs> how these words fit together. But I like to recommend that, and I enjoy myself, those poets who have this accessibility, and yet there is so much more so that they reward rereading, which I think is so crucial to the practice of reading poetry is that it's always a rereading. So there's always more, and yet you get a at least a little something on the first read. Um, and I think that is important, especially when you're, you're just beginning and you're worried that maybe poetry isn't for you. Um, you need those poets who, who are willing to give a little something <laughs> right away. Well, and to meet you where you are. I mean, any good any good conversation, you know, if you introduce yourself to someone and they start giving you, you know, analytical formulas and you just really wanted to talk about, you know, the grass, <laughs> you're kind of left, uh-huh, you're nodding in agreement and okay, yeah, okay. Well, I'm not going to go back for that conversation again. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're hospitable in that way, aren't they? They're they're like a welcoming and hospitable and they come they they come partway down the road to us, which is is really beautiful. Yeah. Well, and what what is nice too is because once you have you know, I like this idea of conversation once you have a conversation with a poet you might continue to think a little bit about that and then have those aha moments that you can carry with you or discover later mm -hmm. that pull you back into mm -hmm. that conversation. You're not closed off because either one, you feel intimidated or two, by language that, you know, maybe isn't scary to you, but it's not a language you speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's right. Right. And that that makes me think as well, if we are focused on reading poetry, if, if reading a poem means to us understanding it and, 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 and fully comprehending it, that's, that's what it means to read a poem. And that's what the real poets do and the real readers, they do that. And I, I can't do that. If that's our, our sense of it, 
um, not only are we setting ourselves up to not in, enjoy the process and experience poems, but um, actually, I, I just don't even think that's what reading poetry is about at all, because the poems, like you said, they're this ongoing conversation, the things we return to, and we only do that if, if we continue to be aware that this poem will always have maybe something more to say to me, um, that it's somehow it's kind of alive in that sense. Um, and it's, so it's not this finished object that I fully comprehended and now I just move on. Why would I return to a poem if, I, if, I've, if I've absorbed the meaning and I've got it and I, you know, check it off, right? Right. right. To check off, we don't check them off. We, we return to them and, and, and the conversation and continue the conversation and we bring ourselves to them as well. So that I think is something poets invite us to do. So it's not just, what is this poem saying? Do I understand what this poet meant? Do I understand what these words mean? But what happens when I meet this, this poem? What happens when, when I bring all of my experiences and my understanding and my particular ear to hear to this poem? That's something that is not repeatable. So my experience reading Parable by Louise Gluck is, is not going to be exactly yours and, and how wonderful. Now, I know you have um, offered some online courses through <laughs> Black Barn. That's right, through the Black Barn Online, yes. Yeah, and one of them was a, a friend of mine had taken it and said, oh, you should really talk to Christy mm -hmm. about this. So you, you did a, a... <laughs> thank goodness for editing. Right, right, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> You did an online course that was about tipping, dipping your toes into poetry. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. you know, what, for the very beginner, what would you recommend? What do you suggest? How mm -hmm. do you, how do you, how do you begin? How do you begin? Oh, it's so good. I, I think, yeah, in that course you mentioned, um, I think I even called it how to read a poem, which is very, um, bold of me <laughs> to say <laughs> but but I, I did want to give people that sense that hey there are there are things to know things to learn that will help you there are tools like you can have a little toolbox you bring to these to poetry and it, it will help you get more out of the experience um, because these are things that poets who have um, been reading all these poems they're bringing to the writing of it and so some awareness on your part of certain things like like um, form, different forms, uh, so that when you see something on the page, you know, you maybe have a sense of what's going on. Um, some sense of, and, and actually, I'll just say as well, this isn't where you begin. <laughs> where you begin is by not being afraid, by not thinking that if you don't understand, you have failed. That's where you begin. And so I think that is actually where I began that course, How to Read a Poem. Um, and I, I think I began it as well with a story of my first real encounter with poetry, which didn't come until my high school English classes. Um, I was probably 15, 16 when I first read of all poems. Um, you know, talk about a, a poet who is not super accessible on the surface, uh, T.S. Eliot, mm -hmm. famous modernist poet known for obscure allusions and, you know, being frankly, pretty hard to understand, not always even writing in English, you know, there's like Greek thrown in and exactly, exactly. And yet I read as a high school student, you know, a high school girl in a, in Texas. And I read as many high school students do the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. 
And I think our teacher encouraged us to read it aloud. So that is also a good place to begin. Read it aloud. And what I had sort of, a, and this is a, an apt word, I think, for a modernist poet, I had an epiphany of sorts when I realized I have no idea what this poem's about. And I don't care. I like it. <laughs> I like how it sounds. I like how it feels to read it out loud. I like that I sense that it has some meaning. And so now I'm intrigued. It's like a mystery. I want to I want to walk this way and figure it out a little bit. Um, and I think as well, my, my English teacher, I think she gave us permission to enjoy it without without needing needing to decode it or decipher it, um, but just to enjoy it. And and I had, I think for the first time, that permission I gave myself to just appreciate it on whatever level I could and not put all this pressure on me to figure it out or understand what was he really saying, but just to read it out loud, even to memorize those opening lines, let it, let us go then, let us go then. Uh, you and I, when the evening is spread out against the sky, like a patient etherized on a table. And I think that probably is, <laughs> you know, teenager. Sure, the drama. Yeah, the drama. But, you know, I can begin there start reading some poems and see what I'm trying to and read them aloud so that they're not text on the page that I can figure out, but I'm just kind of listening to them. I'm hearing the sound of the words. What feels good in my mouth to say, you know, that's that's a part of a poem. And then I think that's like, that's now you're dipping your toes in. And now if you're interested and you want to keep going, you know, now you're starting to see maybe those poets that, that feel, um, like they maybe have something for you, maybe they're speaking something to you. And then um, learning a little bit about the things that matter to poets. What matters to a poet? You know, it's uh, things like metaphor, um, uh, you know, things like the history of poetry. What, what has poetry been? Um, why would someone write a sonnet today? You know, if Shakespeare was writing sonnets you know, hundreds of years ago, like what, you know, what are some of the, the, the terms that poets are, are familiar with? Not in order to pass, get a good grade on an English test. No, that's also the great thing about encountering poetry <laughs> after school. No one is going to grade us. Um, so now it can just be, you know, this, this um, enjoyable experience where we're curious about all the things that maybe the poet was bringing to that poem. And also we don't have to, if, we, if, if we're just enjoying ourselves and we're getting something out of it, great, you know, keep, keep, reading, keep reading the poetry. Um, but knowing that there are these things out there if we're, if we're um, interested in learning, we may not. So again, I don't write poetry, but I like knowing about well, what is a sonnet and, and how has rhyme been used? Not because I want to um, write my own sonnet, but because I want to have a little bit more to bring to a sonnet I might read. I want to get to recognize it. I want to say, oh, oh, this contemporary poet uh, has written a poem that has 14 lines. Hmm, that must mean something to them because 14 lines belongs to this long history of the sonnet. And, and so it's just like extra things to notice, I think. Um, you know, we can all notice something in a poem, but the more you learn about poetry, there's more things to notice, which is fun just makes it more fun right um i'm gonna take a little break i'm getting some weird feedback mm. on, on your end it's almost like the volume i'll hear myself not all the time but once in a while so i don't know if i wonder if i just turn my 
volume down. Do you think that would help? Um, as long as you can hear me, then we'll yeah. be okay. Let's just try that. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. And it was turned up quite a bit. Okay. Uh, that sounding any better? A little bit better. Yeah. It just seemed like anytime I would begin something or laugh, it sounded like somebody was coughing in the background. <laughs> so I know um, that. that. Yeah, I know that. Um, that feeling. And I think uh, internet seems okay. I don't have any, I don't have my, I don't have um, headphones with me, which if I need to okay. go grab at some point, I probably can. Okay. Um, well, you, you're coming through pretty yeah. clearly. So I did, okay. you did kind of fade a little bit, but it came back in. So I don't, I don't know what that was, but anyhow, you bring up um, learning about poetry in school and that you had a teacher that gave you permission to not necessarily like it, but to try it and be open to it. And I think that's key for a couple of reasons because, um, you know, I, I don't know that poetry, even when I was in school, poetry was not taught the way it used to be taught. It became this assignment and it was just doled out and there was really no reason to like it or not like it. Um, there was no invitation, what I remember mm -hmm. in school. There was no invitation to that. And um, I think that that can be also very inhibiting. So to hear you say, you know, permission to, permission to not like something, but also permission to try something you don't recognize. And I think that that kind of invitation is important, uh, especially to some contemporary poetry. You know, people might recognize the typical, you know, rhyming line kind of poem where there's so much now that is is free flowing and doesn't rhyme and, and can border on storytelling. And even with prose poetry, it looks entirely different mm -hmm. and um, can look a little I mean, when you get into the cross genre kind of stuff, you feel like you don't know what to do with it in some mm -hmm. ways. Um, mm -hmm. And I've encountered prose poetry that I didn't realize was actually poetry. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I was just reading it and it looked like script on a page and lo and behold, it turned out to be a poetry submission. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> So what, what are some ways, you know, what, what would you say to somebody who looks at something like that? You know, and, and I ask you because, you know, th this is, you're a writer and you, you have the degrees to back up, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, you have the gravitas to be able to mm -hmm. say, this is this. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, how would you, mm -hmm. how would you do that? Mm -hmm. I think, uh, and this, uh, this was a fun question that came up uh, in that course that I taught, um, because I realized people want to know, especially those who are new to it, they're just coming to it, they want to know that they will recognize it. So just like you said, they, they want to know well, what makes it a poem, because especially with a lot of contemporary poetry, as you said, the, the traditional markers of like rhymed couplets, you know, two lines that match and rhyme are not there. So what makes it a poem? 
And have I written a poem if I take my grocery list and I, I chop up the lines and I kind of put them decoratively on the page? Is that is that a poem? And I think sometimes they're saying like, how much freedom do I have to express myself, which is wonderful. But I think also sometimes they're saying like, I'm skeptical of this whole idea of poetry because if that's all it is, then why bother, right? Um, so this was a fun one to talk about because I actually pulled up some examples um, of, of poems I found on Instagram. So often now on social media, little poems are shared and it's been great, I think, as a place for poets to get and, and all writers to get their work out there. And um, and I, I would never say that any of it is, I wouldn't say this is bad writing. I just think you're expressing yourself in words, wonderful, and people are responding, excellent. And yet I do have for, at least for myself, and I will share them with, with those who are interested, a, a, you know, sort of a, a, a line in the sand, sort of, where I say, um, some things are uh, great writing, they maybe look interesting on the page, they have a shape, that all has value. But for me, a poem, a real poem, a real poem is something that says more than one thing. So yes, I can take my grocery list and I can move the words around and they can look interesting on the page and that, that can be fun. A different way to write a grocery list and there's something artistic about that. But for it to be a poem, it can't just be about what I need to buy at the grocery store. Every word on the list is saying one thing and another thing. So if there's a plum there, it's a plum and it's also some, something else, right? There's some, you know, so there's always at least these two layers, these two levels of meaning. You see that in metaphors, you know, something is like something else. And, and uh, so the poem is the thing that, that you can know what, if it's in English, you know what the English means. Now you've got to return to it and say, what is this deeper meaning? And that is not the same as saying, I think also people can get frustrated thinking, oh gosh, well, why do they have to make it mysterious? Why, why can't the meaning be obvious? Why does it have the, the, you know, why this, what they might think of as like obscuring of the meaning, but that's not what it is. I think poets are trying to use our ordinary language to say things that, that are, difficult to say that are so deeply buried or so mysterious that we don't, um, we have to, um, we have to make language strange again, almost in order to communicate these, these deeper things. And so it's not they've just created a puzzle for us, it's not that, it's that they're trying to voice the things that are not easy to voice. They're trying to communicate ideas and things and feelings and things that are, um, uh, that there just are no easy words for. And yet the tools they have are just our easy, ordinary, everyday words, right? Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so for me, it's, it's that if you read it and the meaning is just the meaning, just the meaning of those words, then it might be a lovely bit of writing, but I wouldn't call that a poem. Um, and then I think that that helps people realize, oh, okay, now now I can start to recognize poetry out there, and uh, and I'll be honest, you know, the lines blur, and that's okay. I, I myself am a writer who loves to use some of the tools of poetry, um, sound and um, you know sound effects and metaphor and so on, and so 
you know, I like to think there are poetic elements to my prose writing. So, you know, these aren't hard and fast rules uh, necessarily. Um, and yet there are, there are some things that are poems and some things that are not poems. And, and I think it's important to, to also begin there. Yeah. Well, and I think you can also, um, when you think about, you know, the example of taking your shopping list and just, you know, cutting it up, rearranging it, and you bring up plums, and it's funny, I don't know if we were connecting telepathically, because I was thinking of William Carlos Williams, yes. <laughs> and, you know, how, how some of his poems, on first glance, it's like, okay, so it's a red wheelbarrow, okay, so he ate the plums, so what? You know, it's, it's looking at that and, you know, he ate the plums and I, I wish I had it at my fingertips. I do not. Otherwise I would, I would read it. Maybe you do. So that's, it's so important that sometimes taking, you know, looking at something at face value. Well, yeah, big deal. So he ate the plums. Sit with it a minute. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is, this isn't about plums. That's right. And now I have to read it. Do you mind? Okay. No, <laughs> if you've got it there, that would be fantastic. I do. It's called, this is just to say, and, and right, let me just pause right there. When a poet titles his poem, this is just to say. It's never just, it's never to, just say. to say. There's something more. It's more than just saying, right? So right there yeah. is our first clue. And so this is just to say by William Carlos Williams. I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet and so cold. So yes, it is. It's essentially a note left on the icebox, a grocery list on the refrigerator. And yeah. I think he plays with that. But you're right, Susan. It, Con context matters here, knowing that he uh, was a poet devoted to poetry who was producing so many poems and is having a conversation um, around the things that he's noticing, whether it's a red wheelbarrow or, or this, um, uh, you know, this interaction between two, you know, the speaker and this unknown person around these plums helps us know, okay, there's more going on. And so I will be rewarded if I spend some time with this. And if I sit with this, it's a bit of a having faith in the poet and, and there's some trust involved because yes, if I just scrolled past this poem on Instagram, didn't know this guy, William Carlos Williams and his Instagram poetry, I'm, I might easily think, oh, that's, that's not a poem. I could do that. Um, so there is some context here that I think helps us in our reading and encourages us to, to take the time to sit with it. Yeah, and if, and if anybody's not super familiar with poetry and is listening to us, he's not an Instagram poet. No. <laughs> <laughs> so don't, don't, don't plug him in thinking you're going to find his feed, but he is, he is um, up there on the pinnacle of the mountain of modernist poetry. You know, if anybody cares to look into his work, he is a fascinating character, not your typical poet. I mean, he was a physician. And so, I mean, right. he is, a, he's much bigger, but he's a great, his work is a great place to even begin if you want to, to think about um, something that sits outside the realm of like, you know, this is a flower you know, because as he titled it, you know, it's never just to say, just so to say. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I'm so glad that we, we pivoted it around to him because, 
um, yeah, he's a perfect uh, starting place for somebody who wants to go into something a little different. Poets and what would you recommend for somebody who's listening and going, you know, I really, I really want to explore this, but I don't, I don't know if I want to step into modernist poetry or Shakespeare or T.S. Eliot or anybody, you know, that, you know, who would you recommend as a, as an avid reader? Who would you, where would you start? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, that's a great question. Uh, where would I start? I, I, I think, again, with, with cont- probably contemporary poet, someone who's writing today or maybe a recent, you know, like a Seamus Heaney. Um, I, I appreciate his poetry well as well. Someone who has that, um, that, that superficial, and superficial makes it sound shallow. That's it, but just, but just that, that um, surface that gives us something, those, those invitational poets, maybe we'll call them. And so one, one place to look, if you're just trying to look, would be at like um, excellent websites like um, uh, the Poetry Foundation, um, even poetry.com, I think, but especially the, the Poetry Foundation. They have um, online often sort of thematic groupings of poems. So if you want to read grief poems, elegies, you know, they'll have some. If you want to read poems that have to do with like current events, maybe poems of, you know, civil rights, or um, if you're looking for poems from particular cultures, you know, they're, they're good about organizing poems that way. So that can kind of help lead you to the things that, that might be of interest to you. So yeah, just, yeah, going to well-curated websites like that, like the Poetry Foundation. Um, and then also, this may sound slightly pretentious, but I don't mean it to be that, looking at who's winning awards, National Book mm-hmm. Awards here in the US or the Nobel, yeah. like Louise Gluck, they won't always lead you right. <laughs> you know, they won't necessarily be the ones that resonate with you, but they at least give you a place to begin. Um, uh, you know, seeing who's winning, you know, just Googling poetry awards and, and seeing who, you know, who's been winning the awards in the past 10, 20 years and then finding something that, that jumps out at you. So again, not because these things are necessarily the arbiters of all value in poetry, um, but if you're looking for a stepping stone, if you're looking for a place to begin, I think that that can be a good place. Sometimes um, collections of poems can be good because of course you have a breadth of poetry represented, but actually it, it is a bit like just listening to music on, on a playlist with all different musicians and you know often those songs are a part of an artist's album and you do get a different experience when you go to their album and you hear how that song fits with the album and so poetry is that way as, as well remembering that a poem is usually a part of a collection and so it can also be helpful to go and get the collection in which that poem appears and read around that poem sometimes meaning is, full meaning is only apparent when you're reading the poem that came before and the poem that came after. So collected work or um, poem or a book of, you know, poems of nature might be a good place to start, but then maybe the next step is, oh, I like this poem. Let me go see where it first appeared. Let me go see, is it in a collection? What else did this poet write? And then sort of going deep um, in that way, rather than just always, always broad, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, it makes complete sense. Okay, so after talking about, you know, ways to dip into where to begin, that sort of thing, here's a bigger question. Why read poetry? 
why not just, you know, stick to basic stories or, you know, the, the things that you can relate to from the real world? Why poetry? Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, this is, I think, the real question, right? Because yeah. it's one thing to read poetry because you think poetry is something you should master or <laughs> cultured people read poetry. So I, will, I, I should know something about this. Um, and no, no, I mean, you know, if that's what gets you there, fine. But no, I think because poets and poems do things, allow for things, inspire things in us that other forms of literature, other forms of art don't quite do. There are uniquenesses in, in art forms. And so poetry is unique and brings unique gifts to us. And, and so if we, if we don't read poetry, we are missing out on something. So what are we missing out on? I think we are missing out on um, questions, first of all. Poems ask questions. They prompt mm -hmm. questions. They address, they ask questions that are hard to ask in other ways. They, they open us up to questions. They open us up to, to mystery, to, to knowing without knowing. They, 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 poets, I think, tread in, in, on the edges of things in ways that um, other artists also do, but, but now we're doing it in unique ways through language. And um, language is something that we all use, but it be, can become very tired, a very tired tool, something we don't even see anymore. And poets remind mm -hmm. us to, see and hear language to really see and hear and that helps us in everything that helps us in a conversation with a friend if I have trained myself through reading poems to listen well so this is something I think poems do they they teach us how to listen carefully in a conversation well now in real conversations I I'm, I'm different I, I now know how to listen well, how to slow down, how to pay attention, how to ask questions, how to be curious. Um, and, and poems teach us this. Poems teach us to notice, to observe. Uh, and so that I think there are, there are things that become trained in us through reading poetry that then will overflow into all these aspects of our life um, that that other art forms may do in some sense, but in other ways or, or not so much with language. And so we need poems. We really need them. We all need yeah. them. Oh, and I'll say as well, I think um, some people maybe realized this maybe for the first time um, in the US, we, we had not too long ago a, a change of presidential power and there was ceremony around that. And we had a poet speak and many people responded to her, um, yes. Amanda Gorman. And, yep. and, uh, and I think realized that poetry was bringing something to that moment that was needed, that was necessary. And so sitting for a while to think, well, what was that? What would that event have been like, that transition had been like without the poetry? What's lost? I think in part, it's um, this ability to, to read between the lines of our lives and to read between the lines of, of maybe current events and so on, to go to the places where language doesn't easily take us, um, but poetry can take us there. I think, um, you know, the, the thread of invitation has been in our discussion. And I think 
poetry offers an invitation for you to see through someone else's experiences that perhaps, you know, if, if somebody were writing a book, you know, um, race relations continue to be just this with it and without going down that path too much. But if you're just going to read another book about race, it becomes another book about race. But when you step into the vision of a poet who is speaking directly to that, sometimes it can just take your breath away because you see it in a way you hadn't anticipated. And that makes it almost hyper real then. You know, it goes from this thing we're supposed to know about to this experience of humanity that, that opens us up to bigger conversations. And so I think Amanda Gorman did that beautifully in giving enough information, but inviting you to sit with it, like you said, to sit with it and figure this out a little bit more, not like a puzzle to be understood, but how does this apply to my life? And how can I then go forward differently? So yeah, that's, you brought up many great points. I wanna, I wanna end there because that's a great place to end, but heavy, heavy thing. Before we, we wrap it up, I would like to talk a little bit about you. You're a writer. You've written a couple books that I'm familiar with, Roots and Sky, Placemaker. Um, I love Placemaker that ties into your gardening uh, and the projects you're a part of. You know, share a little bit with our listeners, you know, who you are, what you do, and then let that lead into possibly, you know, where they can find you, maybe Black Barn and, and other projects you're a part of. Wonderful. Thanks for asking, Susan. It's, it's, I've mentioned a few times that I am a writer, but I should say that I came to that from, from being a reader. Yeah. <laughs> so I was a lifelong reader who uh, went to, just kept going to school for that in order to become an English professor. I may at times have slipped into English professor mode in our conversation, but um, I, so I went the academic route and I did a PhD in, in English literature mostly the modernists, so hence T.S. Eliot, and especially poetry. Um, but then uh, after completing that teaching for a while, uh, I stepped back from teaching and um, uh, spent time with my family and um, cultivating a place here at this old farmhouse in Pennsylvania, getting into gardening. And then my books came out of that. So the memoirs um, that I have written and Next will be um, a book of essays about growing flowers, about flower gardening with photographs. So my path has been not the one, not the one I expected, <laughs> hasn't taken me where I expected. But the really wonderful thing has been by stepping out of the classroom, now I've been able to connect as, as a teacher still with um, people who are not in a classroom but are eager to learn. So um, with a small team of others over really the past year, we've cultivated an online community called the Black Barn Online. There's a Black Barn here at Maplehurst, this farmhouse where I live. And it's an arts and faith community where we, we we're learning together how to listen well to one another, how to listen to God, and how to listen to works of art. So poetry is actually a big part of that 
that um, formation we're doing together in community. I really believe that art can be um, formative in so many ways, including spiritually formative. So that's been the Blackboard Online, and that's the context in which I taught that workshop about how to read a poem. And it's been wonderful to connect with people who are maybe reading poetry for the first time or looking at paintings for the first time and then um, asking questions you know, about spirituality based on you know, what they're receiving in art and really learning to listen um, with the help of art. I think um, art just helps us learn to listen. So that's what I've been up to uh, recently. And, um, and I'll mention as well, the Blackboard Online is a free community. There's something there to access just from day one if you wanna step inside. It's a quiet place away from social media. Um, so it's a little, um, yeah, a little less noisy, again, with wanting to listen. And so, yeah, I would invite any of, of your listeners, if they want to find out what we're up to, to, to find me over there. But as well, I like just the visual arts. And so I'm also on Instagram, um, sharing photography from my garden and my home as, I think, another form of invitation. <laughs> you know, I saw something beautiful I want to share. And, and here we get to meet on the way. Um, yeah. And your garden together. is incredible. You know, you're a fan of Longwood Gardens. And I used to live out that neck of the woods. And it was a beautiful place. And you're working your way towards this this little Longwood Gardens in your in your yard. It's so beautiful. I am. I love it. It's just one more place to um, cultivate beauty cultivate glory and um, it's it's not it's not Eden but it is right I mean it's it's I'm, I'm often stressed and anxious and worried about the weeds and yet I also wouldn't want to be any other place I feel more connected um, in my garden uh, in this bigger sense than really anywhere else so I love sharing the garden in any way I can so you mentioned Instagram um... Are you on Facebook? I don't do Facebook, so I don't. I am on there. Okay. That's, yeah, you know, it, it's, so, you know, I'm, I have a presence there, but Instagram is really, um, I think, because of that visual component, the, the sure. place where I really connect with people. And I have a website and an occasional newsletter. Um, but right now, yeah, it's really the Blackboard Online and Instagram where I'm really connecting with people. And they can just find you by searching your name or searching Blackburn. And you'll, you'll pop up. So, yeah. And I, I hope they take a minute to do that. You also have a podcast of your own. And that's right. That's yeah, right. How can I forget? You, yes. You talk every... about books and, you know, tell us a little bit about that. I, I have, was listening this morning to the new episode and I love that you, you uh, read a poem by Neil Gaiman. So <laughs> that's right. Oh, I love that poem. Um, it's true. Every week, I, I'm a co-host of the Out of the Ordinary podcast, which really began because uh, my co-host and dear friend, Lisa Jo Baker, and I felt that um, ordinary life, daily life, wasn't getting enough credit, that we were somehow all needing to like seize the day and aim for great. And, and that honestly just and... makes me kind of tired. <laughs> yeah. And because we feel like if you're paying attention to ordinary life, I mean, think about Lear poetry, which is so often about the most mundane experiences and things like the plums on, on the icebox, you know, the note. So we had a sense if we pay attention to our ordinary lives, we're going to really discover extraordinary stories. So we've been telling those stories now for um, a couple years. And now in our third season, we've shifted and, and really focused on books. So what are the books on our shelves? And, and how are those stories helping us make sense of our own stories? 
So every week now in Out of the Ordinary Books, we, we bring a book to the table, so to speak, and we talk about it, not as like a book review or book recommendation, but more a sense of modeling. How does this book help me make sense of my own life, the world, my connection with others? And um, yeah, so really loving the new focus on the podcast. So book lovers, come on over. <laughs> out yeah, of your definitely book. check it out. Definitely check it out. Well, Christy, thank you so much. This has been fun. Um, it's like sitting down with a good friend <laughs> with a cup of tea and just talking about the things we love, like poetry. And I appreciate it. I appreciate the, uh, what you brought to the table, so to speak. And um, just thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. I could go on and on. Like, <laughs> Well, we'll have to do another episode then. <laughs> oh, please, please let me come back. I would love that. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Please take a few moments to look Christy up on her website. That's christypurifoy.com, where you can find links to the Black Barn online and find her on Instagram at christypurifoy, all one word. Make sure you stick around for a few bonus moments at the end of the podcast. I began Poet Kind as a way to discover poetry and to have great conversations with the people who create it. I also enjoy sitting down with other creatives to unpack the hows and whys of what they do. I believe getting to know someone and talking with them about what brings them to life is a great way to build understanding and make the world a kinder place to be. I also believe that we need to stop comparing ourselves. Compare notes, yes, to uncover what makes us who we are and to remind us we are more alike than we realize. Thank you for spending a few moments with me here on Poet Kind. Poet Kind is an unsupported podcast. I do this because I love it, and I enjoy bringing great writers, creators, poets, and listeners together. One small way you can support Poet Kind is by sharing your favorite episodes on social media platforms, just as a way to get the word out. You can also follow me on Instagram and make sure you say hi. Until next time, be kind to each other. Do whatever it is that makes you come alive. Write, paint, plant. Bring whatever it is into the world to help make it a better place. What an interesting poem to be reading after what we were just talking about. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Unplanned, but yes, yes, this year we have traveled through and yet what has this year been about like not moving <laughs> staying exactly in place. but well and then the, then the pilgrims the travelers looking at each other at the end it's like that's, <laughs> what that's so what it feels like yeah yeah maybe something deep within like you know recognized I, you know I think that often happens with poetry we, we understand it on so many levels And so, you know, there's that superficial understanding that maybe comes first. And then I think poems lodge themselves in us so that we go back to them knowing they have some answer for us, even if we don't know what that is. And so maybe that's why I was drawn back to that poem today, a poem I feel pretty sure I read for the first time, you know, just as maybe the world, just before, actually, I think last winter, winter of 2019. So just before everything shut down. So Good to return to this one. Thanks for for giving me this opportunity.